No, ma'am. Um, as of this morning, abortions are illegal now in the state of Louisiana. When I saw that news across my phone, and I was like, oh, Lord, here we go. And patients are lined up outside trying to figure out, am I coming in or am I not coming in? There's a lot of women that are so enraged, and I am one of them. I'm a human being with no rights to my own body. But a man has complete rights to his body, and a man has always had rights to a woman's body. Someone's got to stand up to these bullies. Bring it on. As far as I know, we did the last legal abortion in the state of Texas this morning. As the battle over abortion rights rages across America, lives are at stake. Barriers to reproductive health care access have forced many people to travel long distances and to cross state lines to freedom of choice for their body, for their future, and for ours. You'll hear the stories from the front lines, from those seeking abortion care, and the heroes who helped them along the way. One journey at a time. This is Crossing the Line. Texas is used to sweltering heat, but June 2022 will go down as one of the hottest on record. There's a heat advisory in effect for all of North Texas. Dangerous heat. Please don't take this too lightly. Heat index values of 105 to up to 108, they are in the forecast. But the high temperatures aren't the only thing that has people on edge. With few days left in the Supreme Court's calendar, they've yet to release a ruling in one of the year's most anticipated cases, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health. That's right. There are 18 cases left on the court's docket. This includes decisions on hot-button issues like abortion rights, the Second Amendment, and religious liberty. Texas was where the Roe case first began. And here at the Southwestern Women's Surgery Center in Dallas, the owners, Dr. Glenna and Curtis Boyd, are awaiting the worst. I'm here today in Dallas. This week in particular, I wanted to come before the Supreme Court decision is rendered. I don't think many of us feel much hope at this point. Since the Texas legislature passed SB8 in September 2021, they and their staff have been on an emotional roller coaster. I feel like every time anything has gone to the Supreme Court from September 1st, mm-hmm. it's just been like more and more heartbreak. And you'd think by now we would be used to it, but it just doesn't seem to get any easier. It's every bit as heartbreaking today as it was in September. We're seeing about 100 patients a week who actually manage to figure out that they are pregnant before there are any fetal heart tones. And that's absolutely astonishing to me. People are monitoring their bodies and that afraid of being pregnant that they are immediately testing and doing whatever it takes to get here. The Boyds founded this clinic and another in New Mexico back in 1973. They reflect back on a very different day nearly 50 years ago. Uh, I was in Santa Fe, New Mexico when the Roe v. Wade decision came. We had the radio on because there was a thought that there might be a Supreme Court ruling that day. From CBS News headquarters in New York, this is the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. Good evening. In a landmark ruling, the Supreme Court today legalized abortions. When it it came, we stopped. Then we said, my God, 
abortion is now legal. We were embracing each other and crying. There were tears of joy and just elation and, and also relief. I was thinking, oh, it's over. I don't have to worry about going to prison anymore. When I completed doing an abortion, I go to the patient, let her know we're finished. So many times over the years, she'll pull me down and hug me and say, thank you, doctor, you've given me back my life. And, well, the gratitude feels good, but it's a simple medical service. It should be readily available to her. See, our work is more than about abortion. It's about women's place in society, one of equality. Women don't have the liberty promised them under the Constitution. The overturn of Roe has been anticipated for weeks since a draft opinion was leaked in early May 2022. The abomination of that leaked opinion is coming to find every one of us, and we've got to be ready to fight back. We've got to fight back because it is our right to control our bodies. This is about our dignity and our freedom. This is about our health and our welfare. This is about our future and our lives, and we have the right to be angry. Fear on the ground is palpable. Both abortion care providers and patients are bracing for impact. Andrea Gallegos is executive director of clinics in two of the most restrictive states, Texas and Oklahoma. She and her father, Dr. Alan Braid, run the Tulsa Women's Clinic and its sister clinic, Alamo Women's Reproductive Services in San Antonio. He's been doing abortions in Texas for 50 years. I first did abortions during my residency in 1972, and then I had a private practice of OBGYN in San Antonio. I've always considered abortion part of women's health care, so there was no distinction for me between having an OBGYN practice and providing abortion. The cases he saw as a resident impacted Dr. Braid's entire career. There were months that we practiced in Texas where I saw so-called back alley abortions. I saw a patient who had her vagina packed literally with rags and She was so septic that it was hard to even enter the room. The odor from the infection was so permeating that I can visualize all of that even to this day. And that patient died from overwhelming sepsis and organ failures. Unfortunately, we're heading back in that direction. And, you know, it's the definition of insanity to repeat history and expect a different outcome. And, you know, the world is insane right now. Andrea remembers the first time she learned how much her father risks to do this important work. I think I was probably a senior in high school and... Googling his name and finding hit lists and hate lists and Alan Braid's a baby murderer, like with his picture. Due to liability issues from SB8, 
Any patients who are more than six weeks pregnant are offered appointments to instead receive care at the sister clinic in Tulsa. Oklahoma is one of the many Republican-led states that are passing trigger laws to ban abortion. Every day that we made it through another day of seeing patients without any changes to the legislation was a success, it was relief, it was a celebration. In the first six months of 2022, the Oklahoma legislature passed five increasingly aggressive abortion bans. Just two weeks after enacting their own version of SB8, they passed the worst anti-abortion law in the land. Earlier this month, Republican Governor Kevin Stitt signed a ban on abortion after six weeks of pregnancy, but this new ban goes even further, outlawing abortions starting at fertilization. We knew we still had some days before the governor would sign that ban, which is when it went into effect. So the last few days, it was a race against that clock of how many patients we'd still be able to see. My dad says, if we're gonna go down, we're gonna go down fighting. Whatever we gotta do to see patients, we'll see them all today. One of the nurses, Tiffany, describes the panic as they waited for the governor's signature. We would have 25 surgeries a day, plus like 15 pills. We would have so many patients. Um, and we were ready, we were amped up for that. And then the governor signed the bill. Tulsa Women's Clinic, how can I help you? So the law right now in Oklahoma prevents us from doing them. So unfortunately, you have to travel out of state to get an abortion. You've called three other states already. So Kansas, Arkansas, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, have you tried uh, Missouri? Right. The staff is forced to tell their patients they can no longer help them. So when they got here, some of them hadn't heard that the bill had been signed yet, and they've been waiting weeks. And it was heartbreaking. The other nurse would come out of the room and just put her hands on her knees and kind of bend over and take some deep breaths. And, you know, just her voice would shake and eyes full of tears and say, I just, I, I can't, I don't think I can go back and I can't do this again. And then she would take a deep breath and she would put the chart down and she would pick up another chart and she would go right back in a room. Anyone who is under six weeks pregnant can still be seen at their sister clinic in Texas. The rest will have to find other options. I have a vivid memory from that particular day, sitting there with the ultrasound probe on their abdomen. And they're looking at my face because they're concerned and they know, but I still have to tell them. I still have to say the words, I'm so sorry, last night, Governor Stitt signed a law that prohibits abortions in the state of Oklahoma, and you're too far. Wednesday morning, I'm answering the phone, and I realize this is someone who missed my phone call. So I say, I'm sorry, we can't do the abortion. And there's silence after bit more silence. Uh, she says, but you know, I, I'm pregnant because I was raped. There's got to be something that you can do for me. And I say, I, 
I tell her I'm so sorry, but uh, there's no exception for rape or incest. And I tell her I'm I'm so sorry, but we can't we can't help you. The stormy weather this morning mirrors the mood of the staff in Tulsa. Empty chairs line the waiting room. Tulsa Women's Clinic, how can I help you? No protesters today. It it was raining really hard this morning. And before, we would actually have patients. They would have stayed out there, but they're not going to come out in the rain just for me. After the recent deluge of patients from Texas, Tiffany waits patiently for anyone seeking reproductive health care to enter the clinic. Hi. Do you have a mask? No. Here, let me give you one really quick. Can I help you with something? Um, I have an appointment for a follow-up. Oh, excellent. Okay, if you don't mind, go ahead and just sign in on the iPad okay. over there. Were you seen in out of state? Or were you seen here? You were seen in San Antonio. Okay, let me grab, I'm gonna have them send me a copy of your ultrasound and then we'll, um, I'll get you taken care of, okay. okay? Thank you. You're very welcome. The patient is a resident of Tulsa who was able to go to Dr. Braid's clinic in San Antonio for her procedure. Patients are able to take the medication abortion there and then follow up with us here. I always said I would never get an abortion and then I got pregnant and that pregnancy was so hard and it just I just couldn't do it again right now. Medicated abortion has a 95% success rate, but it isn't fail-proof. And hers did not work. So she's still pregnant. She's only seven weeks and five days and we can't do anything. I mean, it's a very hard choice right now because I'd have to have to go somewhere else, take more time off and we have to pay for it. So I don't know what I'm going to do. It's not fair. It blows my mind that as long as you are able to get pregnant in America, then really depends on where you live as to what kind of access you have. And that's, that's wrong. And I don't think enough people understand what that means and what it's going to mean for the country. You know, we are what post-Roe looks like. Abortion is health care. That's what it is, just health care. The stigma, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's, it's the one thing that I worry about. It's not just restrictive laws that hinder people from accessing care. Clinics in other nearby states are closing due to threats of violence, fueled by extremist views. Uh, we've had U.S. Marshals out here this week. They've been out here working with us for the last month because we were supposedly the target of arson. Becky is a patient advocate at the one remaining abortion clinic in Knoxville, Tennessee. Somebody dragged a roadside dumpster into our parking lot and put a box in it and walked away right before patients were arriving. So bomb squad had to be called and everything. It didn't end up being a bomb, but their intent was at least to shut us down for the day. And ever since that, we've been on edge. We're the only ones in East Tennessee. We already served Eastern Kentucky, so they come to us too. And now, this week, I scheduled three people from Texas for appointments. And she worries that the anti-abortion narrative doesn't acknowledge people's medical needs. One of the things about this conversation that's been missing for so long is that one in four women will have an abortion in their lifetime. And we don't know these stories because people are ashamed or whatever stigma is around it. And people don't talk about it. Our patients come 
from every demographic you can imagine. We see folks from every walk of life. I had my oldest patient just a few weeks ago. She was 49 years old. She was four weeks out from having her tubes tied as well. It happens. <laughs> Red states, like Tennessee and Oklahoma, are becoming abortion deserts as hurdles increase. Many of these states rely on physicians like Dr. Diane Horvath, who are willing to trek long distances when local doctors will not provide care. Welcome aboard. It's going to be a full flight, so if you have anything in the seats next to you, please remove those items. Based in Maryland, Dr. Horvath often travels to Alabama. I work in a clinic in Montgomery and another clinic in Tuscaloosa. The reason I started coming down here was because they needed help. The state of abortion right now in Alabama is that it is hard to get. People in Alabama have to have two visits. I was seeing a lot of patients from Mississippi, from Louisiana, who are now displaced out of the clinics there because there's so many people from Texas that they're full. And most of the time the procedure is between three and five minutes, but it required them to come twice, which is not medically necessary. And frankly, like just really offensive. Entering the clinic in Montgomery isn't easy. There are always protesters and they can be aggressive. Our protesters have body cameras, like police wear. They film people, they put it on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, the whole nine yards. And because of that, you know, people may not want their business out there. They might not want their picture taken or a picture of their tag taken or their car. So we try to help as much as possible in that area. That's Mia Raven. She runs Powerhouse, a pro-choice organization that sits next door to the clinic. Her volunteers escort staff and patients as they enter the building. It is in a historical district in Montgomery. It's a very small clinic compared to other clinics in the state. As escorts, we walk patients to the front door using a very large umbrella, usually playing some music on a little boombox or a little speaker, so the patients are not so harassed by the people who are literally 15 feet away from them. Hey, Mia, you doing all right? You need to repent and turn to Jesus. Stop being evil and wicked, Mia. Though Dr. Horvath has made this trip many times, Today is different. I was sad on the plane knowing that this was gonna be my last time down here. And I think it wouldn't have been if we weren't pretty sure that the Supreme Court decision was gonna come down just like the leak. But when I walked through the door and everybody knew that this was my last day, and I started to tear up and one of the people at the desk was like, don't start, don't do it. And, and I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna hold it together. I gotta to see these patients. Stuff right here, you can actually just uh, set yeah. it. Yeah, here we go. Sometimes it falls over the side. I don't want the, that to be your fate. All right. Oh my goodness, who is this? That's not a little oh. It takes a special kind of person to persevere in this environment. I think to do abortion in a place like Alabama, you have to be like all in. You can't be partly supportive, you can't be uncomfortable. I mean, like today, I could hear through the windows one of the protesters yelling vile things. And I think to work in that environment and to still come to work with a smile on your face and like ready to be compassionate, the staff are some of the best staff I've ever worked with anywhere. And yet, no matter where they practice, clinic staff always have a patient whose story stays with them. Becky remembers her most vulnerable patients. 
My youngest patient is the same age as my youngest daughter now. She was 11, she was in fifth grade. She barely had pubic hair. The other patient I think about a lot was a mentally handicapped woman. She already had seven children that were wards of the state. She asked me if I could hug her during her procedure instead of just hold her hand. So when I'm hugging her and she started crying, I want my mommy over and over. I think about her all the time. You have to be 50% really tough and 50% really sweet. You have to have good boundaries or this work will destroy you <laughs> because you see so much sadness and grief. You also see a lot of happiness too. You see a lot of relief. So many women saying thank you. So many women that were scared of being attached to their abuser for forever. And it's such an honor to be able to be there for those people and walk them through that. Tiffany is haunted by the one who nearly died. One of the scariest moments I've ever had working ER was overnight. Patient checked in and I noticed this woman was unresponsive, sitting like in the chair in the waiting room. She's in shock. And sure enough, she had a, rup a ruptured ectopic and they about lost her. Ectopic pregnancy will kill you if it ruptures. I mean, now we have state congressmen that, that believe you have an ectopic pregnancy, but there's still cardiac activity in the embryo, then that's just too bad. That's just God's will, which is terrifying. These are adults that are making legal decisions for us. And in Dallas, VD at Southwestern Women's Surgery sees a new common complaint. I had a patient today. She came in and she found out that she was pregnant on Monday of this week. She was just like, this is just terrible. Like, I feel like I have no, no control in my decision because of the Supreme Court. That's just not fair. I want to have that freedom to be able to decide in a timely manner because it's not an easy decision. It just feels like you're in, an, like in a constant nightmare and you just can't wake up. And it just keeps repeating over and over and over and over again. Dr. Glenna Boyd doesn't sugarcoat it. I've been thinking how much this f reminds me of fearing that you have cancer, having a biopsy, waiting for the results, and a little part of your mind hopes it won't be the news that you're expecting, but in your, in your heart of hearts, you know. We'll be right back with this episode of Crossing the Line. Check out ctlpod.com for abortion resources and ways to take action. Subscribe and review CTL Pod on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear what abortion concerns you have. Share your comments on the CTL Pod Facebook or Instagram, and remember to register to vote in the midterm elections. Thanks for listening to Crossing the Line. Now back to the episode. In Montgomery, Alabama, 
Dr. Horvath is seeing one of her last patients. All right, all we're going to do is just the ultrasound on the belly. Okay. Just take a really quick view to make sure that we, you know, we see what we saw two days ago. Okay, perfect. I'm going to have you put your feet in the middle. Okay. And then go ahead and lay back all the way. I want a big family, but it's just so expensive nowadays. Oh my God, you're not kidding. So time consuming. Yep. All right. You're exactly where we would expect you to be. Okay. Let me get you a paper towel for that. Thank you. You're very welcome. Give me just a second to make a few notes and then we'll get you on to the next step and on your way. Here you go. Her patient, who asked to remain anonymous, is already a mother. I hate that I'm in this situation and that it has come to this point. But due to inflation, the rise of basic living, I really can't afford another baby right now. I'm in school and I'm trying to, you know, better myself and this would have been a really big setback. I just moved here and I don't have any support from any family or friends and it's it's really hard. Who is someone to judge? It's heartbreaking to see them dictate our lives. That's not fair. You don't see them giving out vasectomies or, you know. So I, I feel like it's it's unfair. It's very unfair. Dr. Horvath is also frustrated. I've heard some people already saying things like, well, abortion was really hard to get in the South anyway or in the Midwest, so maybe it's not going to be that different. And I am here to say that that's bullshit. And it's going to be very different, and it's going to be way worse. I think people who think this is not their issue, you know someone who has had an abortion, I promise. And if, if you don't think you know someone who's had an abortion, it's because you haven't been trustworthy enough for people to tell you. I, I think if it comes down like it's written, which I fully expect it to, it's going to be devastating. It's like waiting to get punched in the face, and you know it's going to happen, but the people around you won't won't acknowledge that the punch was as bad because maybe you don't look beat up enough. That punch in the face lands at 10 in the morning in Washington, D.C. At the Supreme Court today, an historic upheaval in a sweeping ruling that overturned a half a century of precedents, five justices ended the right of American women to choose abortion under the Constitution. Today, the Supreme Court of the United States expressly took away a constitutional right from the American people. It's a sad day for the court and for the country. When the Supreme Court struck down Roe versus Wade, the whole world was watching and reacted. Also reacting, some of the nation's largest companies announcing they will cover employee travel expenses for abortions if they are not available where they live. Most states with trigger laws on the books suspend care immediately and staff at clinics across the country scramble to understand what this means for patients. Oh, medical, how can I help you? No, ma'am. Um, as of this morning, abortions are illegal now in the state of Louisiana. You can go to this website. It's called abortionfinder.org and see if you can find a clinic on there that still facilitate abortion. The clinic plans to, well, no. I'm not sure I'm accurately reflecting what I've heard so far. All of the organizations involved in the travel program are very committed to continuing this work and helping people access care out of state. The clinic will be involved to every extent that we legally can for as long as we can. If there's a point in time where the clinic is no longer standing, then I'm sure we'll explore other options to try to connect women with care. I've just totally lost my confidence in this country, 100%. 
I can all suck my clit as far as I'm concerned. No one deserves, no one deserves anyone to tell them what they can, can and cannot do. Dead people have more rights to their bodies right now than people who are able to get pregnant in Oklahoma. In Dallas, the Boyds and their staff are numb when they realize what's happened. There's become some disconnect where our lawmakers, our society doesn't feel responsible for each other. I want everyone to be able to experience the news of a pregnancy with joy and awe and excitement instead of dread or worry or fear. And forced pregnancy is simply unacceptable. It's tantamount to slavery. And we got in just under the wire, which thank goodness, because I don't think today I would have the strength to like look someone in the eyes and be like, you know, I'm sorry that we, you know, five minutes ago we could have done this and right now we can't. You need to remember this day because someone that's going to want to talk to you about this 50 years from now, that you've just done the last illegal abortion in the state of Texas following the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I, I can't imagine forgetting this, Curtis. But we had sort of anticipated this could happen. I think one of the strengths of our clinic is that we always have a plan. We're always thinking ahead. And we were going to do what we could to make sure that we saw it and helped as many people as we could before it happened. We knew this. I knew this was coming. I've expected it for fairly over a year. Still, when the when the news came, it's just a bit shocking. You know, you just feel numb. We've talked about it. We've made plans, but when it actually happens in the moment, there's that just gut wrenching feeling of yes, we have lost what we gained 50 years ago, and. I've come full circle. America should be demanding better. And hopefully after grieving and mourning this news, we can mobilize. That's what I'm working for every day. Dr. Glenna Boyd gathers the team together to reassure them. Everybody feels way too raw right now. And um, so emotionally vulnerable. So we're going to have toast and tears. Just say thank you and congratulations for all of the months and years of hard work that these people have invested and what a beautiful job they do. This is a group of people who love each other and laugh together and that laughter is a way of releasing tension. Our narratives are having to change yeah. um, with all of this. You know, our goals are going to change and all of just our plans, how they're changing and how we're yeah. coping with that. It's one of those things that I, I think you can't know until you do it. Yeah. yeah. Keep trying here. Yeah. Keep plugging away at all of those stupid laws and everything. And yes. Just keep being here for our patients. And, and it's my only plan. Yeah, yeah. I have no backup plan. <laughs> this is my plan. Yeah. No plan B at this point. But you're, you're such a skilled but also gifted counselor. Oh, and you know, learned a lot you from know, you. You know, I've always believed. I do know that. You know, from the very first time I ever watched you.
Okay. Thank you. Learned a lot from me. Sarah spent a decade at Southwestern Women's as a nurse. When the decision came, she took a break from her new job at a local church to go see the Boyds. My coworkers are my friends, and it changed me. It changed me working here, doing this work. I know everyone is absolutely devastated. It feels like just being cut off at the knees. This is unprecedented. They're stripping a constitutional right away. And it's dehumanizing for patients who find themselves pregnant. And they're, they're not in this alone. There are a ton of allies everywhere. There's always people who care and they need to know that, that I care. Hugs incoming. Hugs incoming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Wait, God. I wanted to say hi to Curtis. Yes, he wants to see you too, so. Yeah. Camelback Family Planning, how can I help you? Meanwhile, at the Camelback Family Planning Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona, the staff have also spent the day scrambling to let patients know they are no longer able to receive abortion care in the state. Uh, no, all I can say is that we're not supposed to tell you um, that you can go to California or New Mexico. Clinic founder Dr. Gabriella Goodrick joins her staff answering the phones. Proceeding happening where they'll make a ruling by next Friday where maybe we'll get that right back. So if you're interested in doing a consultation, we can still do those. However, there is no guarantee that we can schedule an abortion for you. Um, so that's sort of where we're at right now. The state did give us clarification that abortion is oh, illegal. Us, I thought we were still waiting on that. That's why I was like... But as of right now, um, abortion is completely illegal. There's nothing we can do right now. So we personally called all our patients to let them know that we had to cancel their appointments. But like other clinics, text or emailed them that their appointment was canceled. I just feel like that's more professional and like showing you care about them as opposed to somebody just sending you a text message, your appointment's been canceled with no reason. It was pretty hard. Are we gonna get in trouble for sending records then? No, it, it, anyone can request their own medical records. Yeah, we're not referring her. We didn't send her there. Okay. No, me too. This is, we just wanted to this is the minor, the so we were like, but we were just making sure that like we're protected and you're protected. Well, we're, I'm glad just, she can get the care she needs. Okay. Many who advocate for banning abortion point to adoption as an alternative. There are nearly half a million children in the foster care system in the U.S. Most stay in the system for years, and only 26% were adopted in 2019. One of Camelback's administrative assistants, Addie, doesn't need charts or graphs to prove the point. She's lived it. I actually was in the foster system. My mom's husband at the time like sexually molested me when we were taken. I was in middle school still. I was, I want to say 12. And they want to save all these kids, but the kids in the system are forgotten about. Like, what about them? 
It's a pretty <laughs> broken system. Understandably, emotions are running high at the clinic. I just feel like everybody has, they've turned our, our back, their back on us. And we're supposed to come in every day, bright and shiny faces, smile on our faces, take care of the people, and this is what we get. So, the people. Companies who are anti-choice are lining these politicians' pockets. Mm -hmm. That's what they care about. They care about profits over people. It's really frightening that we're going back to an 1864 law when we were a territory. The law saying you can't advertise or procure an abortion, which means you can't refer, you can't help, you can't aid, you can't transport or pay to help them have an abortion. And even though there's an injunction against that law, it doesn't matter so that it's the law. There's a lot of women that are so enraged and I am one of them. I'm a human being with no rights to my own body, but a man has complete rights to his body and a man has always had rights to a woman's body. Dr. Goodrick plans to fight back. Just talking to lawyers and talking to just about the climate here in Arizona, like it's, I underestimated how, how cruel and, and crazed they are. What time do we live in where they have to go back to 1864 to pull up some old territorial rule when women and black people were like enslaved. I mean, really? Women have had 50 years of reproductive choice and autonomy over their bodies. It has allowed us to advance in professions, careers, you know, and live our lives with control of our fertility. And then you have these radical state governments where they are just in a frenzy, a feeding frenzy almost, to just take away everything from women. Someone's got to stand up to these bullies and show them. And if they would try to prosecute us, bring it on. As night falls in Tulsa, Tiffany is considering what the decision means for her family and her patients. One of the things I told my daughter, call your doctor and you tell her, my IUD was put in this, you know, give her the year because it was getting close to needing to be replaced. It is going to be a lot harder. They're not stopping at abortion. They're coming for contraception. Education is going to be hugely important. Birth control is going to be big. I don't want to go to jail over this. I don't. I don't want anyone else to go to jail. So we're all just kind of trying to figure out how we can make an impact. Dr. Braid is making plans to move forward, whatever the obstacles. The only alternative was either to retire or to move the clinic out of state. And so I purchased a building in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and also in Carbondale, Illinois. It's still a pretty good distance for women in Texas and Oklahoma and other states to have to travel. I mean, it's outrageous to ask women to do that. We'd never ask a male to travel 500 miles to get treatment. Whether that's enforceable or not, I guarantee the next session of the Texas legislature will pass a law that says if you leave the state of Texas to get an abortion, you better not come back.
because we're either going to arrest you, fine you, or both. And back in Knoxville, Becky also wonders about the new reality of criminalization. The biggest thing I want people to know is that abortion is a medical term. When you miscarry, that is medically a spontaneous abortion. That is how it is framed in any kind of medical paperwork. It is not a moral term. So when you miscarry in the state of Tennessee, you're gonna have to drive to North Carolina to get a DNC. You have a miscarriage and you can't prove you didn't take pills. You can be reported to law enforcement and it will absolutely affect everybody. Men are gonna lose partners. They are gonna lose lovers. They are gonna lose friends to jail time possibly, God forbid death, illness, mental breakdown. You know, you want to take somebody's mother away from them and put them in jail, take somebody's wife away from them, put them in jail, whether for receiving health care or aiding and abetting, as they like to call it in Texas and Oklahoma now. Let them do it. Let them try to put every one of us in jail. And that's where I am with it. I'm still going to help people no matter what the law says. Because in my world, when the law is written by tyrants, the law is not good. I'm on the ground running, making sure I can get people to these doctors. Because hell, the way I was brought up, that's the Christian thing to do. Sarah now works at the First Unitarian Church, where many have gathered for an evening vigil. A diverse group of religious leaders from across Dallas will lead the multi-denominational service. This is the church that Roe v. Wade came out of. And so to be directly in that history, it was kind of an awe-inspiring thing to be here today. So it's important that we come together tonight. It really is. Part of acknowledging and sitting with our emotions and saying what it is and calling the thing a thing. This is heavy. We were crying this morning here in the kitchen, yeah. just holding on to each other. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm afraid for my daughter. I'm afraid for my nieces. In Jewish law, um, abortions are sometimes mandated. Yes. Um, so the combination of church and state, it forgoes that freedom of religion that, that the Jews have in the land. And there's actually a court case in Florida right now saying abortion bans are actually against Judaism thinking about this and how my elders, now ancestors, went through so much to get us here. It's just crazy and ridiculous. If we allow church and state to become merged in any way, we will be losing the Republic. Welcome to this place of lament and empowerment. I am the Reverend Laura Brandis serving tonight with my colleagues. We gather with each other in community, breathing into this moment, not running away from it, staying present. There is lament here for you. There are tears here for you. There is community here for you. Take that in and gain your strength from it. Don't run for cover when that storm comes. Don't run for cover. Don't run from the coming storm. No, there ain't no 
pretty striking right now. There's a whole row of teenage girls sitting, watching, praying, bearing witness. Their voices are who we're gonna have to look to because this generation is not doing right by the world. But I don't wanna leave them with this mess, even though they may be more capable than anyone to clean it up. While many are feeling defeated, there is also a renewed sense of purpose among the congregation. Whatever brought you here, whatever brought us to this moment, we can also use that fuel to change it. We have to know that we are in this together. We can no longer vote along our own personal issues. The thing that is truer in this moment than ever before is it's all of us or none of us. I can't just vote for access to abortion without considering constraints of poverty. I can't just vote for constraints of poverty without considering what's happened to the LGBTQIA community. I just can't vote for queer injustices without considering abortion access. It's all or nothing. Are you in? I feel, I feel, I feel inspired and tired. And I am gonna do what Glennon Doyle tells me, which is work, do the work, and then take a break so that I can get up tomorrow and do it again. And then I'm gonna stop and take a break and get up tomorrow and do it again. Next time on Crossing the Line, a clinic escort, Marie, shares the mood on the ground in Michigan after Roe fell. Patients are a little more on edge, a little more afraid. Obviously, they're also shaken by the ruling. I've been too busy to sit down and, and process. I think today or tomorrow when I get home and I can sit down and actually read the whole decision, I think that's when I'm going to hit my wall. I was able to exercise rights that generations of women before me fought for, and I'll be damned if they're going to take those rights away from the generations after me. As activists in this purple state take to the streets, hoping to codify abortion rights with the ballot initiative in November, 18-year-old Emilio stands on a corner, holding a large pro-choice sign high above his head. I'm out here just showing support for women and their rights because right now they're being taken away by our government. These grown men in power making laws about women's bodies. They're so pro-life until that child is really born and then they don't care much after. I just feel like it's an attack towards low-income and marginalized communities and this is not right and I won't be silent about it. This is Crossing the Line. This podcast was brought to you by Population Media Center. Executive producers are Lisa Caruso and Alex Demenenko. Co-producer is Kathleen Bedoya and associate producer is Dominica Ruelas. This episode is field produced by Joanna Friedman, edited by Bruno Falcon, with production services provided by Pitch Productions. Production coordinating by June Neely. Impact strategy is led by Charity Twos. 
and original music is by Valerie Ortiz. Narration is read by Tatiana St. Fard. Special thanks to the Southwestern Women's Surgery Center in Dallas, Drs. Curtis and Glenna Boyd and their entire staff, the Tulsa Women's Clinic, Dr. Alan Braid, Executive Director Andrea Gallegos and the entire staff, Patient Advocate Becky at the Knoxville Center for Reproductive Health, Dr. Diane Horvath, the Camelback Family Planning Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona, Dr. Gabrielle Goodrick and the entire staff, Hope Medical Group for Women in Shreveport, the First Unitarian Church in Dallas, Reverend Laura Brandis, Reverend Deneen Robinson, Reverend Daniel Cantor, Sarah Chester, and their congregation. And of course, to all those who shared their stories with us. An additional thank you to our partners, Power to Decide, AbortionFinder.org, and Plan C Pills. Check out ctlpod.com for abortion resources and ways to take action. Subscribe and review CTL Pod on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.